If you like betting on golf But everyone that you back misses the cut Get some experts involved With all the stats and the tips and so much more Cause it's the golf betting system The golf betting system is the golf betting system Greetings and welcome to the Golf Betting System Podcast 226. This is our 2022 Tour Championship and Amiga European Masters Tips Podcast. Paul Williams and Barry O'Hanrahan join me, Steve Bamford, to discuss our selection for this week's PGA and DP World Tour Action. Good morning, gents. Morning, guys. Morning, guys. Please subscribe to this podcast as you drive the popularity of the show. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. Please be gamble aware. You can visit begambleaware.org for more info. And of course, please bet responsibly. Visit our world famous golf betting system website with our in-depth betting previews. Paul has put a preview up yesterday, Monday, for the Amiga European Masters. I've also put a preview up for the Tour Championship. There's tournament strokes gained analysis, which I use heavily each and every week. Basically looking back at uh, players' performances at that particular golf course, really, really useful. Tournament form stats, combined course and current form tables. We've got our predictive optimizers. All of these features, I don't know how we do it. It's like the podcast, it's completely free of charge with no paywall. Absolute no-brainer. We're available on Twitter. Barry's at a good talk goal. I'm at Bamford Golf and Paul is at Golf Betting. Subscribe to the Steve Bamford Golf YouTube channel where this podcast is available along with my weekly golf betting show. And you can also join our Golf Betting System Facebook group. Now, one thing I want to say here is we are currently sitting just a snidge below 255 stars on Spotify. So if you're listening to this on Spotify, all you've got to do is press the five star button. Don't have to write anything, just press the button. It would be fantastic if we could jump through that 250 barrier before next week's pod. We've also got our five star reviews, which you guys kindly write each and every week on Apple Podcasts. As ever, for those of you who leave a review, I will read them out at the start of a future show. Leave your name and where you are in the review. Here we go. This is from Mike and Joe. They are in the UK. The title is, This Podcast Saved Our Friendship. Now settle back and listen to this. This podcast saved our friendship. Five stars. For years, golf has pushed our friendship to the brink. Each blindly tipping and backing players who, at best, make a last-minute and dramatic dash for the cut line on a Friday afternoon. We made Bryson and Brooks look like J-Lo and Ben Affleck, but not anymore. Thanks to Steve and the gang, we can now make sensible and informed selections. And, if it doesn't go our way, at least we can still stomach seeing each other on the golf course the following week. Thanks, guys. And that is from Mike and Joe. That's a great review, I thought. I love that. Yeah. Brilliant stuff. Thanks, guys. Thanks for taking the time to uh, to write in and uh, share your friendship story with us. Friendship story. <laughs> we're ke- we're keeping relationships together, chaps. 
<laughs> I don't know about our own, but we're keeping others together. Um, let's talk about uh, what should we talk about? Uh, let's, I suppose we can talk about last week, can't we? I kind of like it when a plan comes together because I did say in last week's podcast, Adam Scott had absolutely no chance of winning because he doesn't win. But I took him away from the don't back post-it note. And I was actually sensible. I try and learn from my mistakes. And usually I'd look at Adam Scott and go, oh, he's playing well. Um, I think he's going to go well on this course, but I'm not going to put him on because I never back him because he never wins. And that would usually happen. I don't back him and all of a sudden he'd get a nice each way place and cover the week, but I'm not on him. But this week I did back him because he had the momentum. He still needed to play really well to qualify into the top 30 for the Tour Championship. And guess what? He snuck in by one spot. I think he ended up in 29th spot in the rankings to get into the Tour Championship, courtesy of a top Five finish at the BMW Championship, and we cover our week. So I'm I'm quite happy. It's not a winner, I get that, but it's weeks like that where you actually cover yourself and don't get a full loss that actually make a huge difference at the end of the week on your uh, end of the year on your profit and loss. So I was quite. I never thought he was going to win, even though he was leading at heart. He started throwing in double bogeys on Friday when he realised it yeah. was three shots clear because that's Adam Scott. That's what he does. But I wasn't panicking. No, no. I guess if you, you set your stall out to to use him as a that's your each way insurance. I mean, that's that, that's your that's your glue pool that keeps the week together. Yeah, he's kind of as you say, is your each way. Well, not a banker, but should yeah. should he uh, should he produce the goods for you? Then that's the week covered. And as you say, you either supplement that with another each way return sometimes or, or you know if you get the winner then great um, if not then you walk away and have, an, have another go the following week simple as that it was difficult to tell how Wilmington would play we obviously discussed last week that it was long which it was mm. um, we also said that two of the par fives were difficult as they were until they started moving the teaser but they actually let that course go didn't they they actually let it firmer so by by Saturday and Sunday, the greens were releasing. I mean, some of the, the greens were actually looking quite brown. It was very non-PGA tour. And that kept the score into a mid-score. I thought it was a decent tournament. The one thing that did shock me, I had Scott in the mix on Sunday morning. I also had Colin Morikara in the mix. And I actually genuinely thought Morikara would make a run and try and win it because mm-hmm. he hasn't won for a while and we know he's a high-class player. But wow, that was one thing I wasn't expecting to see on Sunday. Eight over, and a ten. Was it a ten on that par five, yeah. or was it a par four? Yeah, and there was a double in there. There's a well, double in there. Yeah. This hole before as well. Yeah, it just had, had a bit of a mare over those couple of holes, and that, that was the end of that. He's normally ice cold, isn't he, Morikara? Absolutely. Definitely had. He's had issues. You you read all of his interviews. He's had he's he's had issues with shot shape. He he's always 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 faded the ball from a very early age and all of a sudden the fade disappeared <laughs> and uh, he was he's just starting to get the process back where his, the shot shape is coming back to a standard fade that he can rely on is this where he's mucking about with his uh, his shot shape though trying to trying to build different combinations and different options into his game and you know you look back to what Martin Keimer did with his game and you know trying to trying to 
build a draw into it and um, it can just be fatal in the end. You've got to sometimes just accept what you're extremely good at and Morikawa is extremely good and, uh, and, and just get on with it. Hmm. What do we make of Patrick Cantlay, Baron? He's a funny sort, isn't he? Doesn't ever really get in the mix at majors. But in domestic company, high-end domestic company on the PGA Tour, the guy's a bit of a killer, isn't he? He does like these FedEx Cup playoffs and a couple of memorial wins. You know, high-level tournaments that he just snaps up and puts on his Palmares. What do you think to Cantler? It's He's an interesting one because... I guess we just expect these guys to take steps through the different levels of the game at a faster speed, mm. but he, you know, he just you know hasn't quite um, matched that expectation speed we have. But man, like, yeah, when it um, in these big events, like he seems to be able to like get himself together, and it was a really impressive win on defending a title on a different course. Yeah, he got a nice break on um was a tee shot in 17. Yeah. Hopping, you know, vaulting over the bunker and then jumping onto the fairway. But you need a little break or two to to get over the line. So he's very good and I guess you know, if he starts showing up in majors, it's not going to shock any of us. Um we'll kind of be sitting there going what's well, about time. So um, maybe next year is when we actually say that it's about time. He's he's you know, contending and getting in the mix in a major or two. Thing is, he's all, because he's clearly a high-class top five, top seven player in the world, you're getting him at top five, top seven prices in majors and then he finishes 12th if you're lucky. It's that kind of, yeah, when you're looking at a major pricing list and you look at Cantley, you always think, if he doesn't tend to turn up at majors, I'd probably pick JT that kind of does. Or, you know, there's always someone there at the same price that has actually yeah. got a major record that actually does something at majors. Yeah. It's a difficult one, isn't it? Yeah. I was just looking here, um, just to put his performance in, to, into perspective. He's now won eight times on the PGA Tour. Five of those wins have been on bent grass greens. And when I say bent grass, I mean pure bent grass. And to put that into perspective, going back to 2008 as a rolling number, Rory McIlroy has won nine times on bent grass. Patrick Cantlay joins a very exclusive group on five, which includes Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas. So this is the kind of company he's keeping now. Uh, Hideki Matsuama has won four times on Bengrass. So he's mixing it with very, very high class sorts, Patrick Cantlin. But yes, um, uh, another shout out. You have to put a shout out for Scott Stallings. That yep. guy has played some phenomenal golf this late summer. Mm. And to get stuff. himself into his first ever tour championship and qualify for all of the big tournaments next year is um, a very, very studious 
effort by him. You were saying, Paul, that you can just tell from his physical shape how much effort he's putting into it. He's, he's looking buff, isn't he? He's looking, you know, he seems to have just stepped up a mark. Yeah, yeah, it's been quite vocal about it on social media over the last couple of years or so, the work that he's done from a, a fitness perspective. And as you say, it, it, it's, it's there to see, isn't it? And if it's translate, it doesn't always translate into better games for the players because sometimes it upsets their balance and equilibrium when they um, when they shift a bit of timber. But um, he's uh, it seems to be taken positively from his perspective. And yeah, he's... I don't know as you said to me yesterday I think uh, you know you've got to watch out for him in these um, events post the tour championship because they could easily pop up at a, what will be a relatively short price but with the golf that he's playing at the moment you wouldn't wouldn't be surprised to see him notch another victory sooner rather than later I think it'll work one of two ways to this week at the tour championship he'll either of it would either exhale a huge breath and go, oh my God, I've made it to a tour championship mm. and sit there and look at all these great players around him on the practice range and go, I've made it and finished 26th. Or he'll keep that momentum going. Because if you just look at his st- statistics right now, he's in the top three for strokes gained total over the last eight weeks. I mean, this, this yeah. guy's playing super, super elite stuff right now. Um, but uh, yeah, I think even if it... Yeah, if it does come to an end this week and he becomes normal Scott Stallings, you've got to watch out for him in the fall. Because clearly there's a player there that can play very high-end stuff that's due a win soon. And in the week of fields, that could well happen. Yep. Yep. Talk to, talk, I know it's going to be a painful experience, Paul, but talk to us about the Czech Masters. Yeah, sorry, Barry, you were just going to jump in there. Sorry. No, I was just thinking, it, it was... Really cool seeing the the you know Stallings dealing with the nerves going down the stretch. You know you you don't you don't always see these guys showing any emotion at all, but you could see like he was dealing with it, and man, he dealt with it really well. Like he hit some really quality shots the last couple of holes, gave himself gave himself a couple of great looks, and yeah. hit hit decent putts. They just didn't drop in, and. Um, you know, just unfortunately suffered the the consequences of a couple of nice breaks for Cantley at the critical moment. But uh, it was really cool to watch that. Yeah, put himself in a position, and you just got to take your chances at the end. And it it, it went Cantley's way, and, and another another week it could have gone the other way quite reasonably, couldn't it? So uh, yeah, playing some good stuff, that's for sure. Yeah, Czech Masters, Steve, you were saying. Yeah, it was a was a little bit it was a little bit painful in the end on Sunday after we had Saturday wiped out pretty much with the with the weather. Gavin Green going into the final day with a three shot lead and he'd been playing some incredible stuff. And the eagles that he'd been producing over the first two days, four eagles and two rounds on the par fives was you know, what set him apart from the rest of the uh from the rest of the field and with a bit of rain on that course coming into the final day um, three shot lead knowing how Gavin Green plays it seemed fairly you can never be comfortable in this kind of game can you but it felt felt fairly likely that he'd go on and win it three under through ten and then uh, the driver just started to really tighten up on him double on what was the hole 14 I think it was and then uh, couldn't make anything coming home. Even on the final hole where he's got a chance and, uh, you know, from eight foot or so and the putt just horseshoed out on the final hole. 
agony in the end. That would have taken him into a playoff. And uh, again, you take your chances at that point. But yeah, 81, 80 to 1 winner that would have uh, been very, very welcome. Just slipped through our fingers, sadly. What can you do? Yeah, that's disappointing. Mm. From the, the way that he'd played on the Friday, 9 under, bogey free 9 under. Looked really good. Sounded really positive in in interview. And uh, you know, one thing that we've kind of learned about Gavin Green or observed with him over the years is it, it can it kind of be he can be his own worst enemy when it gets to the uh, gets to the crux mm. of these tournaments. Yeah. Um, but you know, the way that he talked after his round on Friday, I was really quite comfortable and confident that he'd go on and win that tournament because he seemed to have his head in exactly the right place. And perhaps he has. Perhaps he has got his head in exactly the right place. And it's just the variance that you get at the end of golf tournaments. I mean, Max Kiefer, at the end of the day, if you try and match Max Kiefer up to that course, you'd really struggle to try and find a justification to put him in there. Yet he putted fantastically, scrambled fantastically. Um, he led the field on both of those counts um, over the three days and uh, ultimately pipped him by a shot. And that's golf for you. What can you do? I think you're getting into the mix a lot more recently. So you, you've got some mo. You've got some mojo as we head towards the autumn. You've got yeah. some mo, Paul. It will come back. You'll uh, yeah, yeah, you'll, yeah. you'll scratch. You, 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 but yeah, when, when, when 80 to 1 slips through your fingers, it's... It's a bloody nightmare. <laughs> Would have been most welcome. But yeah, we, we go again this week. I just wanted to mention the Boise Open. Mm. We had on the Corn Ferry, the first leg of the Corn Ferry playoffs. And our old mate, MJ Daffy, has qualified for the PGA Tour next year. It's good to know, isn't it? Mm. There were some other interesting names that qualify. That save him going through the uh, Monday qualifying every uh, yeah 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 every week. He's now got a full tour card. Uh, there was also another group of players that have qualified. Uh, Scott Harrington, who has been on the PGA Tour over recent seasons, he's back next year. When I say next year, I mean in a few weeks' time. Mm. Sorry for new listeners to, and new golf followers, but the PGA Tour works in this strange and wacky way, although they're changing it again. So mm. Scott Harrington's coming back to the PGA Tour. My old friend Austin Cook, who's on my never back post-it note, he's coming back. He managed to uh, get a decent finish at Corn Ferry level last week. Thomas Dietrich is an interesting name. He's mm. on the PGA Tour next uh, next season after the Boise Open, and so is Dean Bermesta. So there's a couple of DP World Tour stalwarts that will be strutting their stuff on the world's biggest tour next week, uh, in a few weeks' time. That's not going to do a great deal for the uh, field quality over on the DP World Tour, is it? No. And you were discussing that last week. I mean, Daffy, Daffy, Daffy's played quite a lot on the, on the European, hasn't he? Thomas well, Dietrich yeah. and Dean Bermesta are absolute yeah. stalwarts, and they're gone. Uh, yeah, it's, it's more them two that are going to be the, the ones that really impact it, because on a regular tournament, when they're playing half-decent golf, they're towards the top of the better markets. And um, you know, yeah. e even with Detry's inability to convert chances, he's still generally around the you know top three, top five in the market for a regular event. And yeah, it'll be another big miss for the um, 
for Keith Pelley and the uh, DP World Tour contingent. We've also got Min Woo Lee chasing a spot via these playoffs as well. So yeah, there's some uh, there's some Jason Scrivener, Matty Schmidt, Yannick Paul. There's quite a few Euros. Hurley Long chasing that, hell, um, that top twenty five spot. <laughs> is there going to be anyone left? On oh, How Tong Lee? Should I throw him in there as well? Yeah, <laughs> I look forward to some of these events when I'm digging up and researching names of players that I've literally never heard of before because they're trying yeah. to fill the field. Right, let's talk this week. It's a, it's an interesting time this year when you've got players moving between tours and promotions. And What we've got this week, and I have to say it, and I say it every year now, I absolutely hate this tour championship format from a betting perspective. It might mean that it's dumbed down and easy to, to understand on TV coverage, which is all the PGA Tour are concerned about, but... From a betting perspective, it makes the Tour Championship an absolute nightmare. And the other thing I don't really like about it is that you've got someone that shoots a lowest score of 72 holes that should be the Tour Championship winner and isn't the Tour Championship winner because the FedEx Cup number one started at 10 under and they could have started at level par. It's all a bit strange. It's all a bit over the place. I love the golf course, East Lake Golf Club, uh, which is in Atlanta. It is roasting hot in Atlanta. As we said, it's going to be approaching 36, 37 degrees this week. Uh, beautiful golf course, Donald Ross. Uh, it's also had a Reese Jones renovation in 08 and 2016. Um, I saw Andy Lack, who's well worth listening to, um, Andy was saying that it plays now more. The the greens are still very Donald Ross. The front to back, the the layers and whatever, they're still very Donald Ross. But the golf course itself is far more Reese Jones, i.e., he's pinched all of the fairways. There is some serious bunkering on this golf course. He's made it very U.S. Open like in terms of the golf course. That's what Reese Jones does. The you know the U.S. Open doctor, as he was referred to. But it's a classical golf course. One thing you can always say about it as well, it always tends to be a mid-score winning uh, target. So I'm talking here without strokes index. Um, it's very complicated. It tends to be around about 13 to 15 under Has is the best score of the week. The golf course is a par 70, only two par fives. Uh, interestingly enough, though, both of the par fives are reachable. So the par fives are absolute must this week. You've got to fill your boots on the on the eight visits to the fives. The golf course is long. It's 7,346 yards as a par 70, which is plenty long enough. Four of the holes have water hazards in play. I'll go into my agronomy piece. Fairways, Maya Zuija Grass. Rough, Tiffway Bermuda grass up to two and a half inches. It's gnarly enough. The greens are 6,000 square f- average feet, which is a lot, well, I, I say a lot smaller. They were they were crazy big last week, weren't they? Over 8,000. Yeah. Uh, so they're a bit smaller, but 6,000 still long enough, uh, big enough. They feature Mini Verdi, 
ultra dwarf Bermuda grass. And the one thing I'll say about East Lake is it rained quite a lot in the build-up last year. And I thought this got even East Lake's got to play soft. Even East Lake has got to have reception. And you started watching it on Thursday, and even though the rain had fell overnight, the greens were already fast. They were already on the verge of releasing, and you just thought, my God, that golf course must have some super sub-air kind of system. But at the end of the day, Georgia, I mean, we're used to seeing Georgia in April, aren't we? And, you know, we get you, you can get very, very firm conditions at Augusta if they want to. This is the same kind of setup. We're in Atlanta, we're in Georgia. We're actually now in clearly at the end of August. It's hot. It's very, very hot. There doesn't seem to have been, looking at all my records, there doesn't seem to have been a lot of rain in the area in the build-up. And it's typical 50% chance day in, day out here of thunderstorms. If it doesn't rain, I think even if it does, I've got a feeling we might see a bit of a firm and releasing renewal this year. So I reckon any kind of score, if you're, if you're hitting 67s around here over four days, I don't think you're going to be straight 67s. I don't think you'd be far away. Hmm. It's very, very, very easy to shoot a 75 around this golf course and take yourself away from the actual, um, take yourself away from the championship. Um, let's just, this, I always do this uh, this year. It's just interesting to put some names into context here. Uh, we've got Scott Stallings, who we've already mentioned. He's playing his first ever tour championship. Sahith Tigala, I tipped him last week. He managed to squeak in. So he's a genuine rookie on tour and has made the Tour Championship in his first season. That is a fantastic performance from Tigala. Uh, it matches what Sung Jaim did in 2019. JT Poston's another. He's making his Tour Championship debut this week. And we've, we've also got players that are in the top 50 in the world but are making their Tour Championship debuts. Quite a number. Hoagie, Seb Straka, who I know a lot of people are backing because, as we know, he is a bit of a Bermuda grass monster and he does like this Zoysia grass. K.H. Lee, Max Homer, Cameron Young, Matt Fitzpatrick and Will Zalatoris. All of those players are making their Tour Championship debuts this week. 10 of the field of 30. Times are changing on the PGA Tour, that is for sure. But it's good to see, I mean, it's, at the end of the day, you cannot be a mug and make the Tour Championship. I think it's a real, if you're making Tour Championships, that really does, you know, hold you in very high esteem, I think. Uh, you're in the top 30, effectively, on the PGA Tour. Right, I must I must just quickly go through how this system works, because it's, it's a bit of a faff. Scotty Scheffler is leading the FedEx Cup rankings. He starts on Thursday at 10 under par. Patrick Cantlay, after his win last week, is second in the standings. He starts at 8 under par. Two back. Salatoris at 7 under. Xander is at 6. Sam Burns, 5 in the rankings, is at 5 under. They then start grouping them. So 6 through 10 are at 4 under. 
That includes, sorry, my spreadsheet just jumped. Cam Smith. He's an interesting player this week, Cam Smith. Rory McIlroy, Tony Finau, Seb Straka, and Sungjae Im are at four under par. We then go to the three unders that are basically 11 through 15 in the rankings. That is John Rahm, who you would expect to make a big, big run this week. Uh, Stallings, Thomas, Cam Young, and Matt Fitzpatrick all start seven back. I'm not going to go through the rest. We could be here for days. To take the pain out of the situation, I have put all of my three selections in the without uh, uh, the uh, index betting market. You can bet just a straight tournament seventy-two hole score. Those are the three I've gone for. Have to point out. Have to point out. Boil Sports this week for the Players' Championship, and we know that they do this every single week because they are absolutely fantastic when it comes to additional each-way places. Boyle Sports have gone five places each-way of 50 odds as their standard on the uh, on both markets this week. So to win the FedEx Cup market and also the 72-hole without strokes index market. Five places each way of 50 odds on both markets. Which is a decent effort, I think. Um, I am seeing some bookmakers out there that have gone as skinny as three places each way a quarter of the odds on the each way mm. terms on their on their standard offering. Yeah. There's a lot of four and a quarters, but Boyle Sports are offering five and a fifth across... Especially, especially when we're talking about thirty-man field this week. Yep, um, that's a decent effort from ball sports. So well done to those guys. I know that we we preach ball sports each week quite rightly, um, because if you're looking for additional each way places, they are by far the best. They have offered this is crazy but true. So far in 2022, they've offered 226 additional each way places over industry standard. The next best, the next best, a coral. With 164. That's mad. 226 from Boyles. The next best, Coral, 164. That just shows you what you're getting with ball sports every week. Mm. Okay. I don't really know how to take this any forward. I, it's, it's just an awkward week. I I am not a fan. It has to be said. I am not a fan whatsoever. I was very, very tempted, you know. And this might... And more than likely will come and bite me on the arse. But I was very interested to get on board Cam Smith this week. Because relative to how he's playing and relative to what he's done recently, he's overpriced. Yeah, if he's fit, yeah. If he's fit. And and I, I just think now that he's basically admitted that he's going to live... If there's one player in this field that nobody, including all of the players that he's playing against, anybody on the PGA Tour or anybody that's probably attending wants who... There's, if there's anyone that they don't want to win, it's Cam Smith. Because Cam Smith winning the FedEx Cup and then disappearing to LIV is not a good look for the PGA Tour. <laughs> no. It's not a good look at all. 
And I, it would take a player of astronomic mental strength and fortitude to be able to ignore all of that bad feeling and get the job done. It would take a Tiger Woods-esque type performance, in my, in my opinion, for Cam Smith to turn up here, A, be fit, that's, a, that's if he wasn't fit in the first place, but we won't go down that, and to just block everything out and win the, the win the FedEx Cup this week. Mm. But you're seeing some decent prices hanging out there. I would... Yeah. Uh, I, the, the other problem we've got here is that odds checker is absolutely terrible this week in terms of this 72-hole market, and I can't see the prices that, that are actually available. There's two firms being shown on this. I'll, I'll go through the Betfred prices. Cam Smith is a 16 to 1 chance with bet 365 in the 72 hole market that to me is slightly too long for the ilk of player it, it was tempting it was tempting um I'll run through my three I I I expect you three are struggling just as badly as I am in terms of um what kind of betting strategy you use I'll go in reverse order on price I'll tell you how basic I've been because I've never ever got my head around this since 2019. I just struggle with this event. I, I struggle with it as a betting event. But when I've reviewed previous tour championships going back to 2019, it tends to be, amazingly enough, players that are very, very high in my eight-week strokes gained total trackers that basically do well across 72 holes. The, yep. also, the other thing to note is people towards the very top, the, the rank, the, those that rank first, second and third in the FedEx Cup don't tend to shoot the lowest 72-hole scores because of the pressure that's on them. So that's the kind of way I'm playing it. I'm playing players that are a little bit lower down in the, FA, in the FA, FEC rankings and I'm playing them in the 72-hole market because what we're basically doing is backing who's going to shoot low scores this week at the Tour Championship. And I genuinely think that those that haven't got the overall pressure of winning a hell of a lot of money and winning the order of merit effectively for the PGA Tour are, are far more freed up to do well this week. But they're high up in my current strokes gained current form ranking if you like come to my preview i will put a link in the um podcast description box and you can come and look at my strokes gain numbers i put them in every week this is nothing new but just to review them over the last eight weeks strokes gained current form i've got cam smith at one that's why i basically started talking about cam smith tony terminator fee now at two Patrick Cantlay is three. Scott Stallings is four. I did tell you. Five is Matt Fitzpatrick. And six is Xander Schofle. So I am going with Tony Finau this week. I am going with Matt Fitzpatrick this week. And I am going with Mr. Eastlake Xander Schofle. They are my three bets of the week at the Tour Championship. And when I say bets of the week, I am 
placing them all in the 72 hole or 72 holes without strokes index market, five places each way. God, it's complicated. Yeah. Whatever executive no, came up with this, I'd like to shake their hand and then throw them <laughs> in the really? swimming pool. Um, I've got Matt Fitzpatrick at 18 to 1. I've gone two points each way. That was with Betfred. I've got Tony Finau at 16 to 1. 72 holes without strokes with Betfred. And I've got Xander, Mr. Eastlake, Chauflet. Three points each way at 14 to 1. And I managed to get that with Boyle Sports. So thank you very much, Boyle Sports. 14 to 1 on Xander Chauflet to be the 70 or in the 72 holes without strokes index market. That's it, really. Xander's performances here are mad. First in 2017, I believe he was a rookie. Seventh in 2018, second in 2019, first in 2020, and third in 2021. Do you think he likes Eastlake? Yeah. Yeah, and those last three adjusted for the 72 holes, aren't they? Rather than the. That's what looking back historically over the stats can get a little bit confusing because you switch from this. Um, old stroke play format to this 72 Well, I, I could give you the first, his FedEx Cup positions as well. He was second, mm. third and fifth in the last three years. Oh, yeah. Oh, he undoubtedly loves the course and he's playing some uh, some great golf, isn't he? There's little not to like with Xander. If, if you're going for a player who you think could oppose the... Scotty Schefflers and the Patrick Cantlays at the very top, then, uh, you know, for, for the outright market, I'm talking, then uh, the Scheffler, uh, Schofle would be the obvious choice, really. But if yeah, you are playing, to... yeah, if you're playing in the in the genuine to win the FedEx Cup market, the, the effective outright market, yeah, that's what the bookmakers are classifying as their normal market this week. Scotty Scheffler's a five to two chance, Patrick Cantlay's a four to one chance. Two of the last three have been ranked number one going into the Tour Championship. Yeah. So Scheffler is in pole position. Yeah, and you could see Scheffler going and taking the lot. You know, it's been his, undoubtedly, his breakout year. He's world number one still. Um, you know, found a bit of form after a bit of a sticky patch over the last few weeks. Found some form last week. Um, didn't look quite so... Uh, concerned and uh, frustrated with the putter last week. And, uh, you know, he's got some form here as well as... It was his second for in the 72 hole market back in uh, 2020. So, so yeah, it's, if, if you're going to plump on a player right at the very top to take the whole shebang, then Scheffler's uh, you know, there's, there's a lot to point to his way. But 12 to 5, 5 to 2, that kind of bracket is hardly going to make you rich, is it? Kevin, That's the issue with this week. Kevin Nahr last year, chaps. He went into the Tour Championship ranked number two in my strokes gained current form metric. Mm. I completely ignored him. He shot the joint lowest score for the 72 holes with John Rahm, who was the favourite in the market at 7-1. to one. He was a 70-1 to one chance, Kevin Nahm. Yeah. I so you can it's... pick them out, but they've clearly got to be playing very, very good golf. And... That kind of screens Scott Stallings, and that, you know we did talk to him, talk about him earlier in the show. Scott Stallings in the without market right now. Let me just quickly pull him out if I can get a price on him. 
He's seven. He's sixty to one with Betfred right now. So this is it. It's what, that's what we're saying. Is he going to get there and just keep playing the brilliant golf that he's been playing and actually have a fantastic week? Or is he going to go, oh, I've got all of these fantastic invites next year to the Masters and to the Open Championship. And do you know what? I'm going to have a few bevies and enjoy myself. Don't Job know. done. You just never know, do you? No, you don't. And um, yeah, the, the the carrot's been achieved for a lot of these players, isn't it? You know, it's yeah, been yeah. dangling there to find find into the top thirty, and they, they've got themselves there. And the, the doors are open for twenty twenty three. That much is clear. But equally, there's a lot of money up for grabs this week to these players. And you know, you you got oh, fitness shocking. <laughs> yeah, you you got fitness questions about some of the players. You know, is Alatoris going to be hundred percent after last week? Is Cam Smith hundred percent? You know, notwithstanding. You know how bad that injury, inverted commas, was for Cam Smith, um, and some players won't perform. It's, you, know, you come come to this kind of event as a, a Scott Stallings, and you could potentially you know, bag an awful lot of dollars by uh, by playing well. The other thing I'll I'll note here: these are the strokes gained tournament skill averages. Bearing in mind we weren't only dealing with a thirty-man field. I'm going back to Rory McIlroy in 2016. So I look at the winners of this tournament and what they achieve from a strokes gained perspective and average it all through. So it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. It's seven players because, of course, John Rahm and Kevin are tied 72 holes last year. Strokes gained off the tee sixth. Strokes gained on approach twelfth. Now, all you ever hear about this golf course is how accurate approach is critical. Well, statistically, it's not. Strokes gained around the green. Now, this number, bearing in mind we look at these every week, this number is crazy. Strokes gained around the green fifth. So, of all those winners, they've averaged out fifth in a field of thirty. Strokes gained around the green. Tee to green fourth. Strokes gained putting seventh. That putting number is high. That strokes gained around the green number is something you rarely, rarely see on the PGA Tour. So I also look at traditional stats. The winners here, going way back to Jimbo Furyk in 2010, they've averaged 6th out of 30 for scrambling. So you have got to have a top-notch scrambling and strokes gained around the green game here and be a decent putter. And that put me off the likes of a wacky Neiman. Um, it put me off a couple. I'll tell you the one that I do like on that basis, and that is Matt Fitzpatrick. Because I genuinely think, bearing in mind he's making his debut, but you just look at where Fitzpatrick plays well. We've always said, tree-line golf courses. He loves classical tracks. And he also loves par 70s. I think because of his total and utter lack, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say out, he's he's so improved his driving, it's unbelievable this year. He's, he's added club head speed, he's added distance, he's added, added everything. He's a really good total driver now, Matt Fitzpatrick. And I think that'll play into his hands this week. He's, he's long and straight now. But Fitzpatrick, that around the green game, good putter, fantastic scrambler and a guy that can get it in the fairway because fairways are very, very tough to hit here. I think Fitzpatrick's going to love this golf course. And he's got absolutely no pressure on him whatsoever. He's starting at three under, 15th in the standings. I was half tempted, you know this, Paul, I kept umming and ahhing whether to bang him up at 35-1 to in the overall market. But then you're basically saying, well, at 15th in the FedEx Cup standings, he is not going to win it. So you're basically throwing half his stake away. 
So I went, and the bookmakers have been very savvy about it. They, they were giving me 18 to 1 on Fitzpatrick yesterday. But I just think he's going to love this golf course. I really think yeah. it's going to suit him. Because, as we know, US Open, he's short game. He's around the green creativity, his scrambling skills, and we know he's a he's world-class putter. I think he's going to... And you look at where he's played well in the States, a lot of it is Bermuda grass greens. Brilliant in Florida. Um, he's been brilliant also at TPC Southwind. He's had a fourth, a sixth, and a fifth there a fortnight ago. And Southwind has zoysia grass fairways, which it shares with Eastlake. So I this this set up to me, you know, and bearing in mind he's also won the DP World Tour Championship at the Earth Course in 2016 and 2020. So he likes these end of season tournaments. Yeah. I think I think Fitzpatrick's a decent bet this week. And I just couldn't. The way that, ter- that Tony Terminator Finau has been playing this year, he had a complete and utter blowout on Thursday. I think he's probably thinking, I've got half a chance of winning the FedEx Cup here, and all of a sudden, blah, five over. Now he's back off the pace. He's at four under. He's six back. I think Tony will go back to how he's been playing the last two months. He could play very, very well this week, Terminator Finau. So those those were my three: Mr. Eastlake, Xander Schauffele, Tony Terminator, Fina, and Matt Fitzpatrick. Right, you two have been very quiet, and and you did say at the top you're completely confused by it all. Is there a particular player? Is there a particular market you've had a bet on? Let's start with Barry. He hasn't said anything for five minutes. <laughs> Probably twenty five. I'm a bit lost. Um, I'm a bit just kind of going through all the different bookies and all the different markets and trying to figure out something. I, I do know that I'd like to place a bet on Aaron Wise. Um, mm. Sneaked in and I just, I just have a vibe about him. He's raging very nicely on your eight-week tracker as well. Yeah. So I'm trying to figure out. There's like a betting without market that he's... Yeah. On bet three six five, I think this format suits him because he'll go into it knowing he hasn't got a chance of winning the tournament. He could and just the thing free with is He's very very weak mentally, isn't he? I mean, it, I think he scraped in with a. Did he get a double and a bogey in his last three holes and still scraped into the Tour Championship? Yeah, but in this kind of format, where he's just going to be able to let his golf do the talking and never really have a chance of winning it because he's starting so low. He's starting in last spot. His mm-hmm. numbers right now are, are astronomically high. What, what is he? I'm just I'm just backing up your point. He's currently in the top 8 for strokes going current form in this in this field. Yeah. Um he's what third price in, is he 72 holes. Third and T to green. This is the thing I'm all over the place between the different bookies, but no, I know. let's just say where was the 72-hole market? I think it was 110 in the betting without the 72-hole market. I have to figure that out as well. Then there's the Tour Championship market with the Each Way Extra. I'm kind of eyeing up, uh, it's a places one to six. He is 225 to one, one-sixth each way. Places one to six. Things like that are tempting me. Um, I'm trying to figure out the... I might do split the stake across a few different options. He's as short as forty to one with Betfred and Bet three six five in their seventy two hole market. So they they know how well he's playing. Mm. It's almost as if you've got to almost have a sneaky 
small punt on the overall market and hope he grabs a top five place in the FedEx Cup? Or, or mix cool. it across an each-way extra kind of bet? Yeah, I'll have to figure it he's out. He's playing really so. well, Aaron Wise, yeah. He's, he's, he's mm-hmm. certainly one to highlight. I'd rather be back in an Aaron Wise, for example, than, say, a Max Homer or someone of that ilk at the moment who doesn't seem to be playing as well as an Aaron Wise. Yeah, um, and the other one I'm going to... I, again, it just take, it'll just it take a bit of digging through the different options available, but I'm going to stick with Joaquin Neiman this week. Mm. He showed he showed enough last week to to keep me on board. And I know his, his two outings at Eastlake uh, have resulted in two top 30 performances, but when there's only 30 players in the field, it's it's not really great. But um, I don't know, he's hitting the ball really well. And, you know, maybe maybe it's the year he figures it to place out. Wacky! So, what, Neiman and Wise, I couldn't disagree. Yeah, I, I do worry. I worry slightly about whacking short game, but um, there's there's a market there for him. What about you, Paul? Yeah, the the player that my knee jerk reaction was Matt Fitzpatrick. I've got to say, and I know, I know you've backed him. I haven't backed him yet because I like you. I'm just trying to find the best angle of attack for it. But I, I'll, I'll find a market for him, and I think those wins at the DP World Tour Championship over at the Earth Course um, are useful. I know you've, you've mentioned them quite extensively in your, your preview, quite rightly, because they're um, Bermuda Grass Greens, they're the season-ending, um, you know, the same, not the same um, pressure as you're going to get on the FedEx Cup this week, but, uh, you know, there's, there's a, still a certain amount of pressure that's on that um, Tour Championship over on the DP World Tour. And he's come top twice. He's you know, he's not mm. overcome the. Um, there's no starting index or anything like that. It's just a straight seventy-two holes. It's, it's simplicity. And exactly if you and I were be. sitting down over a pint in one of our locals' pool, and we had a and we had a sheet of paper, and you said Matt Fitzpatrick, you probably wouldn't say the Earth Course was his kind of golf course. It's it's so long. It's a par seventy-two. Yeah, it is. And, he, and he's won the DP World Tour and the you know twice there. He's. He's one of those um, oddities where you look at a player statistically and you wouldn't match him up to a long course. Yet you look and he's won twice at the, at the Earth Course, as you say. He won the Nordea Masters on a seven thousand six, seven thousand seven hundred yard course mm-hmm. uh, back in the day. He can do it, and you know, for a par seventy, East Lake is relatively long. But I don't think for a, for a player when he's playing as good golf as Matt has been for the last year or so. When he comes to a course and he's, he's he's striking his irons as well as he is, as you said, he's picked up um, some serious yardage with that clubhead speed he has, that yeah. he's managed to to build into his uh, into his driving. Um, he's 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 a good bet if we can find a market for him. And I like you, I'm gonna know him whether it's a bet on the outright or the um, or the seventy two hole. But one way or another, I'll find a market for him. The one I have backed is, and you mentioned him earlier, is Sepp Stracker. Who, Sepp Stracker. Um, yeah, you know he he lost out in that playoff to uh, to to Will Zalatoris a couple of weeks back. That was his first um, sign, well, first sparker form for a good few weeks. Go back his, historically though, we'll get back a bit further in the year. He won the Honda Classic on Bermuda. Um, he was ninth at the Players Championship on Bermuda. Um, St Jude, of course, was on Bermuda. He was second for putting average that week, or second for strokes gained putting rather. Um, so. 
when he gets the right conditions, he can compete. And it's a 30-man field. He hasn't played there before. He's languishing right towards the very bottom of the market on the 72-hole uh, without starting strokes index market. 150 to 1. Five wow. places. I'll take that. Yeah. I'll take that chance. People have clogged onto yeah. that. He, he's, his price is um, being smashed. And so it should be. Yeah, yeah, quite right. Well, you look at his last uh, greens and regulation, last two outings. I know it's the traditional stats. Second at uh, St Jude, fifth last week. Even though he was a bit further down the field, fifth for greens and regulation, fourth for driving accuracy last week. So you take those two combinations into East Lake, where it demands some level of accuracy from off the tee. It demands greens to be hit. Um, combine it with the um, the, the uh, Bermuda grass greens. He was what fourth for putting average on the. Bermuda grass back on the uh, St Jude. Uh, second for strokes game putting, as I said, it's uh, there's, a, there's a nice little combination there for a player who's been absolutely written off in terms of the betting market. I think there's more of a chance there than uh, his odds imply. So I'm happy to take that equation personally. Matt Fitzpatrick, it's a bit of a Matt Fitzpatrick loving. He is eighth for strokes going off the tee this year on the PGA Tour. That is insane. Absolutely insane. Yep. And it just shows you what the work that he's been doing. He's, he's not particularly bulked up. It is all down to this clubhead speed that he's managed to generate. Mm. And, uh, That'll come in useful this week, mate. Very useful. Yeah. yeah right. Straight works. I think that's enough about this Tour Championship. I do like watching it, um, but from a betting perspective, it's a disaster. Nice. But. Um, I've gone for a different strategy this year, so let's see if this one works. Um, let's talk Omega European Masters. I always loved this golf course over at Cronchurcier. So picturesque. Um, an interesting test at altitude. So uh, take it away, Paul. Yeah, it is. It's uh, it's one of the highlights of the year, isn't it? And where you tend to find, or certainly in recent weeks, that the Tour have been struggling to fill um, kind of 120, 130 players. They're back up to a full 156, or at least should be by the time they tee off on Thursday. Um, yeah, it's back to the Swiss Alps, isn't it? Our annual trip to the beautiful Croix Soucier Golf Club. Um, slight improvement in the field over recent weeks as well. Ryan Fox is back. Um, he's 16 to 1 shot generally. Uh, Adrian Moronk, 20 to 1. Robert McIntyre's playing this week, 25 to 1. Defending champion Rasmus Hogards, 28. Thriston Lawrence showed a bit of form recently, 33 to 1. And then you've got the likes of Roman Langask, Danny Willett, previous winner here, Victor Perez, Marcus Armitage, the bullet, 35 to 1, 40 to 1 bar. A far more appetising betting market than we've seen over the last couple of weeks, I must say. When you're getting some of those names there. Um, and that's not to mention the guys just below those who are all at backable mid-price prices this week. Ball Sports, Labrooks, called all of them this week, eight places each way, a fifth of the odds. So do check out their odds before you place your bets. Bet365 have their each way extra proposition running on this event as well. And again, there's the eight places each way, one fifth of the market, which is particularly attractive, but you can go up to 12 places each way. Um, if you prefer, so do check those out as well. Now, the course we've seen the course for many years, haven't we? On the on the DP World Tour, the European Tour, as it was, it's a sub seven thousand yard par seventy. As Steve said, played at altitude. 
Now to make the par 70, we've got five par threes and three par fives. Loads of elevation changes to go alongside the altitude this week. A lot of the holes, they play really quite differently to, to what their yardage is stated on the card. So take any holes yardage with a pinch of salt because some of them are massively uphill, some of them massively downhill. You've got the adjustments for altitude as well. It's um, It tests the players. It really asks a lot of questions, but the players absolutely love it. Um, ultimately, though, it's essentially a short tree-lined affair. Um, tiny bent power greens. Loads of history, as I say. Check out the stats on the site. We've got years, go all the way going back to 2002 on the website. And um, we've also got a couple of years worth of strokes gain data on there as well uh, from 2019 and also 2021 last year's tournament. No event in 2020, of course, due to the pandemic. Uh, Temperature-wise or weather-wise, low 70s this week. Chilly mornings often is that kind of setup over there in the, in the Swiss Alps. You often tend to find, actually, the best scores do come in the afternoons here. So unless there's anything particularly windy in the afternoons on Thursday, you'll often find the first round lead will come from the afternoon start as well. Um, there is a threat of thunderstorms as the weekend approaches, so we do need to keep an eye on that. It'd be a shame if we have another event that's as heavily weather affected as last week because it does impact players, it impacts their thought processes and preparation and... Um, Perhaps I'm just trying to make an excuse for Gavin Green last week. Um, <laughs> going back, let's you don't look at some to make winners. An excuse for Gavin oh, no. Green, mate. I think we all know what he's already. like. Um, some winners then going back historically to give you a flavour of the kind of players who win here. 2010, Miguel Angel Jimenez, eighteen to one. 2011 was Thomas Bjorn at fifty fives. Richie Ramsey won at eighty to one in 2012. Thomas Bjorn again in 2013 at 40 to 1. Uh, David Lipsky 125 to 1 in 2014. Danny Willett won here in 2015 at 16s. Alex Noren 18 to 1 in 2016. Matt Fitzpatrick won back to back in 17 and 18 at 30 to 1 and then 12 to 1 respectively. 2019 was the big shock um, of all of those uh, recent winners. Sebastian Soderberg won on course debut at 275 to 1. Rasmus Hogard won last year. Um, there was no event in 2020, as I said. Rasmus Hogard won last year 45 to 1. He was also a course debutant. Lots of um, similarity in the prices there. A lot of juicy mid prices, kind of 40, 50, 60, 80 to 1 kind of numbers. Um, a few favourites and a couple of outliers there in Lipsky and Soderberg, but but generally a good betting heat. Now, if you flick through some of the traditional stats, and I've listed a lot of the recent winners' performances on on my preview this week, if you're interested, um, there's generally two types of winner that um, that come through here: either players with a high greens and regulation game, or those with a very strong short game. A real short game wizard can also compete and contend here. Now, to bring that into context, Rasmus Hogard, he, last year, he was second for fairways hit. He was third for greens in regulation, shot 13 under total to win. Sebastian Soderberg was third for scrambling. Uh, he shot 14 under. So they both got to a very similar tip winning score. Um, it's a fairly typical winning score around here. Something in the low to mid-teens is fairly, fairly typical of what we expect here. But they both got there in very different ways. Uh, there are some strokes gain stats, as I said. That does show a little bit more correlation, actually, between Soderberg and Hogard. Rasmus was second for strokes gain off the tee. Soderberg was eighth. 
Uh, Rasmus was eighth strokes gained tee to green. Soderberg was ninth. So both of the guys um, were good from strokes gained off the tee. Both were good for strokes gained tee to green. Where the difference came, Rasmus was fifth for strokes gained approach as opposed to 35th for Soderberg. Soderberg was seventh for strokes gained around the green. Rasmus was 66th. So out of the players that made the cut, that was right towards the very bottom. So... Um, Focus on strokes gain off the tee. Focus on strokes gain tee to green. And then a player either has a really good approach week or a player who really scrambles well. Either or can get the job done. Both of them pretty decent in terms of a putting perspective. Both were top 20 or thereabouts for strokes gain putting. Uh, in terms of incoming form, actually there is some correlation here. You don't always see this with um, DP World Tour events. But if you go back to 2010, every single winner had a top 10 finish in one of their last 10 starts. In fact, eight of the last 11 winners had a top 10 on their very last start. So their incoming form, their incoming previous start was a top 10 finish and eight of the last 11 winners here. So often, or well, you don't often see that kind of a uh, stark stat. And I've used that reasonably extensively in my, my selections, actually. Um, Matt Fitzpatrick, just to put it in context, Fitzpatrick had finished 7th on his previous start. Um, Soderberg had finished 5th on his previous start. Rasmus last year had finished 3rd on his previous start. So um, do look at those players who played well. well not necessarily last week, because some haven't played for 2 or 3 weeks, but go back to their previous start and see players who have performed well recently. That may give you a, a good starting point. Because that, uh, that recent spark of form looks like a decent decent place to start for me. Um Course form it used to be a really good starting point as well. Um, lots of repeat winners here, lots of experienced types. You know, I read through that list of players, and you've got the likes of Jimenez and Thomas Bjorn, Alex uh, Norren's one here twice as well. Um, but more recently, Rasmus, he was a course debutant, Soderberg, course debutant. It's kind of blown that theory of um, decent previous uh, history are out of the water over the last couple of years. So debutants can win, um, experienced types can win. Long players can win, short players can win, um, <laughs> scramblers can win, and high greens and regulation players can win. It does set itself up for that kind of um, event where any of the players in the field, there's no particular player who's going to be penalised or overly benefited by the particular type of course this week. And I can't imagine there's going to be a load of consensus in the golf betting community this week. I expect that if you read through 10 different sets of tips, I expect you'd find an awful lot of different names in there, maybe just one or two crossing over. Um, it's that kind of event, I think. Anyway, I've backed six. Um, four of them at mid-prices and a couple of uh, rags a little bit further down the field this week. It's a bit unfair to call them rags, isn't it? Because I think they've probably got a decent chance of, uh, decent chance of contending. Anyway, first of all, um, rightly or wrongly, I'm sticking with Gavin Green this week. I thought 66 to 1. Given that I got him at 80s last week, and by the time we recorded the podcast on Tuesday, he was generally 66s, and it got backed into kind of 50, 55 to 1 by the time they went off on Thursday. And um, to see him again at 66 to 1, and I checked just before we started recording, and it, it was still there, there was still 66 available for Gavin Green. Um, given that he's finished second on both of his last two starts, and given that in another world, in another time, he could have quite conceivably won both of those events. I mean, if you go back to that Singapore effort, um, it, it, it took a 15-footer by the eventual winner on the final hold to, to knock him out to stop him getting into a playoff at least. 
Uh, he all shoot out on that 72nd hole last week. You know, and another 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 world. He makes that part, or um, Max Keeper doesn't make one of the previous parts, doesn't get up and down on the back nine once or twice, and, uh, you know, he gets over the line. Perhaps it's third time lucky this week. We shall see. Uh, he has had three attempts here, though. 12th, 12th, and 32nd from his three efforts here. He was eighth into Sunday on debut back in 2018. He led at the halfway point here in 2019. Last year, he opened with a 74. That's no good in the past 70. And then he shot three really good rounds to, to gravitate all the way back up to a, a decent 30-second place finish after really threatening to miss the cut here at um, after 18 holes. Um, look in those three outings. He's shot a 63, a 64. He shot 65 twice here. He really does enjoy it. And I, I guess players or punters who haven't been on green last week will quite happily leave him alone but uh, seeing as I was on him and there's a little bit of unfinished business there I'm going to stick with him 66 to 1 I can take that and if he if he doesn't win then so be it but um, I I, I don't think I could comfortably stomach not backing him this week and then go and seeing him win I think I'd be rather disappointed so Green's in and Marcus Kinholt's another one I've backed same price 66 to 1 Swedes have got a really good record there actually um They've won two of the last five. Um, perhaps you know, Ken Alt can improve on that and to make it three of the last six. He's made four or four cuts here. Um, he opened with a 65-66 when he debuted here back in 2015, finished 10th overall that year. Uh, he closed with a pair of 65s here in 2019. He finished 12th. The other two times he's played, he's made the cut on both occasions. And that's when he's not been playing particularly good golf. Slightly different this year because he's playing some decent stuff. But right off the boil last year, nothing really to talk about in terms of his form in turn, in 2021. Went back to the Nordic circuit, got a win earlier in the year. That really boosted his confidence by the looks of it. Came back to the DP World Tour, finished eighth in Kenya, uh, third in Qatar, third at Hillside a few weeks back as well, um, which was his first bit of form for a few weeks. 23rd last week was no disaster in my view and um, 66 to one on a course where he has done reasonably well in the past good enough for me uh next one up marcus Hellegild. um it's 50 to 1 eight places each way he's been supported a little bit when I, when he opened around about 66 to 1 but 50 to 1 eight places each way is available at the moment um tour maiden course debutant and i guess if you were looking to strike players off then you could put a line for him on that basis but given what we've seen over the last couple of years i don't want to don't want to do that simply because he hasn't played the course before Soderberg was a tour maiden. and Soderberg was a course debutant three years ago. Didn't stop him overcoming um, a number of decent players, including Rory McIlroy in the playoff there that year. And we've seen a lot of first-time winners recently as well, haven't we? So, you know, perhaps you'll see a, a few more. Sean Crocker recently, Max Kiefer last week, of course. They're the two most recent ones. So perhaps uh, Heli Guild can get himself uh, into the mix this week. He has got some winning experience, though. If you go back through his record, three Nordic Golf League wins, three Challenge Tour wins last year alone. Eighth and 13th recently in those two co-sanctioned PGA Tour events over in the Barracuda and the um, Barbasol. And uh, yeah, that's decent form in this context. Uh, fourth last time out of Galgorm Castle. It's, mm. um, it's you know, Again, if you're looking for a player who's played well in his very recent start, Marcus is the man, I think. I've... Um... I've included him. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 he's he, one of those. He's shown like a beacon over the last five minutes, and I've been doing some research. Yeah, 
as a player who's coming up through the ranks and available at a juicy mid-price, I think there's there's far worse players there. I know that you and Barry have been mentioning him all this year. He's a, he's a mm. prestigious talent, isn't he, I think? Yeah. The yeah, kind of player be. that might just pop up this week at a kind of prestigious tournament. Mm. Yeah, well, if you look, it's, he won three times on the Challenge Tour, said last year. One of them was at the um, the grand final at the end of the year. So, mm. you know, it's, that's, that's, there's no mugs winning that tournament. It's a, it's a decent stepping stone. One of his other wins was at the Swiss um, Challenge, which was played just over the border in France, but, you know, close enough and for it to be named the Swiss Challenge and, uh, you know, within within spitting distance of, uh, of, of the border. So he's got some relatively local form as well. I think he'll go well, really do. Um, similar kind of price, actually. I got Julian Gurrier at sixty to one with eight places each way on uh, Bet Three Six Five's each way extra, um, which is available again right now. Um, another tall maiden like uh, Helly Guild um, has some tangible. He has got some tangible course form though. Uh, three top ten finishes in his last seven starts. Third at Celtic Manor, and that was on his last start. Third at Hillside as well. Before that, if you look. It- <laughs> Dig into it. He's had chances on both of those events. Um, he led after 36 and 54 holes, respectively. And whilst he didn't convert either of those opportunities, it, I listened to a few of his interviews yesterday just to kind of convince myself it was the right thing to do. And he's talking really positively about it. He's talking in a way that it's these are all stepping stones for him to um, improve his um, understanding and feeling of being in contention and how... Uh, you know, how to improve in those situations each time. And, you know, these players can get to a Sunday, everything clicks, they find that they've uh, got the right mental approach to a particular week and away it goes, the first title falls into their laps. So, again, I thought that was relatively um, a, a, a relatively good risk to take at 60-1 to one with eight places. Um, he's played here twice, opened with 65s on both occasions before fading a little bit, but he's in better nick this year. Three, let's say, two top three finishes in his last three starts. Um, I think if he gets off to a decent start this week, then he could well hang around a little bit longer this time. So those are my mid-price plays. Nothing at the top. Um, I've gone for a couple of rags. Uh, Ross McGowan, 300 to 1. Uh, he's 40 years of age now. It's not not exactly ancient, is it? But I guess compared to some of these uh, youngsters that are out there, it's um, you know he's old enough to be their father. Some of them, um, and typically he's sitting 30 or 40 yards behind a lot of these these young young lads with the longer hitters in terms of driving distance. But on courses like this, courses like Cranstrup, yeah, that does equalise things an awful lot. And uh, I think he can contend here on a course that's going to going to play to his strengths. He dropped all the way down the rankings, didn't he? Over like in the middle of uh, the 2010s, he went into the feeder tours in the end, dragged his way back up. Won on the Challenge Tour in 2019, won the Italian Open on the DP World Tour back in 2020. Nothing much to report last year, but his best finish of 2021 was here, fourth place finish. That was his best uh, best effort of the season. Go back historically, he finished third and seventh there back in 20 or 2008, 2009. So some good course form. Um, and yeah, I, I think he could pop back and, uh, and and produce something on a course that works well for him this week. The other one who has got no incoming form but plays well here uh, seemingly every time he turns up is Andres Romero. And again, I've backed him at 300 to 1. And he's one of these types of players. He's this... Um, yeah, the, the Ted Potter sort, the the James Hahn sort, who can win off absolutely no discernible form. 
you remember when he came and won the BMW International Open back in 2017 on the European Tours, it was at the time. Um, he hadn't made a cut all year. It was just a string of missed cuts and then turns up in Germany and wins. Uh, he missed his last two cuts coming into this, but he did record a top 10 finish on the Latino American Tour back in late May. That's one sparkling bit of form, um, if you can call that level sparkling, um, for him this year. Um, what have we got? Set a ninth here in 2017. That came in off absolutely no form. He lost a playoff here. He was in that big five-man playoff that Soderberg eventually won in 2019. That uh, came off absolutely no form either. He just absolutely loves the course. He turns up, string of missed cuts, contends when he gets here. And if you go, you look at Andrews Romero in terms of his ability, what, 21 wins globally I counted. He's one of the PGA Tour, one of the European Tours it was at the time. Four major top eight finishes over the years. He's nowhere near that level that he used to be, I don't think. But he, you know, at his very best, he's a class above. And if he can find a spark this week, I think he could uh, go well and potentially place or, who knows, could potentially get us a winner at 300 to 1. We shall see. Anyway, six for me then. Andres Romero, Ross McGowan, Julian Gurrier, and uh, lost my other piece of paper. Um, remind me. <laughs> Gavin Green, Marcus Kinhole, and Marcus Helic killed for me this week. Barry, anyone catch your attention? That is a scattergun approach, Paul. <laughs> I have to tip that. <laughs> the random gun. <laughs> Just throw it out there and see what lands. <laughs> I'm, I love watching this tournament and mm. I find it a nightmare to pick somebody for it. So, yeah, I'm kind of a bit in limbo. I put a small bet on Lee Slattery. Yeah, yeah, he's been popular recently, hasn't he? Showing the odd bit. Um, and then the other bet I've put on is Antoine Rosner. Hmm. Yeah, I yeah. can see that. Yeah. I think this is the point. Back to the point I made at the start of the, my preamble with this is that you... Uh, there's not a massive amount to grab onto. There's not, you know, you look at the winners and you look at the prices and you look at the styles of play and you could make a case for virtually anyone in the field if you feel inclined to do so. And, you know, you take a stance on a player that you've seen with a spark of form or something you fit would co- think that would correlate to this week and um, use, that as your, use that as your justification. Uh, well, Rosner, Rosner's well capable. Playing yeah, well. I'm, go- I'm going for the um, 13 lucky for some. Or unlucky. Mm. He's finished 13th last week and 13th uh, here last year. So hopefully they can't, you know, figure they can cancel each other out. That's mm. about as that's about as deep as I want to kind of get into this tournament. I, I, I mean, it's spectacular to watch, but um, I feel if I just start firing bets out, they could all be good, or they more likely could all be just dead. So a yeah. um, couple, couple of little, couple of little small ones, and then just sit down and enjoy watching it because it is spectacular. Yep. Yeah. Oh, it's a proper, proper spectacle to watch. Absolutely. So, Steve, you're on uh, Marcus Hellekild as well. Yeah. Any, anyone else? I like Rosner. I like Paratori as well. Yeah, he's been playing some good Renato. stuff. Renato. Yeah. He's, yeah again, he, I'm, I'm using our strokes gained data. That the uh, listeners can also use. He's eighth around here for strokes gained total across uh, his eight rounds. 
yep. in the top 10. Clearly likes the course. Rosner, by the way, is 10th. So, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what you two think as well. I always think that there is a huge, huge gap between the PGA Tour and the DP World Tour. And in Danny Willett and in Matt Wallace, you've got two very good players that have had recent top 10s on the PGA yeah. Tour. I wonder if one of those might sneak into the mix this week as well. Yeah, we've been here with, um, with Willett. Willett's before. a winner here, isn't he? We have, and I, I remember a couple of years ago, well, probably three or four years ago now, and um, a lot of people latched onto Danny Willett turning up and playing here, and what was a you know a relatively weak field compared to what he'd been playing, and the, the world and his wife had backed him, and they went and missed the cut. Which, yeah, yeah, well, that's what you get with him. <laughs> it's one or two. You do, yeah, yeah, and didn't he go and win um, the following week or something? It was one of those, but yeah, you never quite know. But was that when he went up Wentworth the week after or two I weeks think later? He probably was. I think it probably was that year. Yeah, it was. He, he certainly popped up um, very quickly afterwards, and everyone was rather frustrated that they backed him at, uh, at uh, Cranston Sierra, where he'd done nothing, and then pops up a week or two later. Uh, yeah, th- these players can fly into to a DP World Tour event and just take it, and they're both backable prices, aren't they? They're both in the kind of thirty-five, forty to one bracket in that kind of region, and you could make a case for him. As you could for many, many more. This Wallace week. is in an interesting space because he didn't get top one twenty-five on the PGA Tour. He's not playing the Corn Ferry Playoffs. He's playing the DP World Tour. So he could play. He, he can be playing on the PGA Tour next season on a partial status, which is one twenty-six through one fifty. Mm. So he'd be playing kind of the the poor events and getting in that way. So it's just it'll be interesting to see what he's going to do. Is he going to become a DP World Tourer pro, concentrating on that? Is he still going to play in America at the weaker events? He's going to hope to get a good start in the fall over there because he will get into some of those events quite easily. Yeah, be interesting to watch Wallace what he does. There's been sparks there, the odd spark, and then it falls away completely. And we know we know he's top quality. Didn't he finish exactly one twenty sixth? He was the he was the player. That's right. Yeah, he did. Yeah. He was the one. He was outside the bubble, literally. Yeah. I, I wonder what will happen if more players get taken out of the top one twenty five over the next few weeks, potentially for disappearing to live. As to whether that will adjust or whether he'll. Stay yeah, that's a, that's a true point as well. So when Cam Smith goes, the big mm. well, to be fair, it's pretty much taken as. Does that mean yep. that Matt Wallace at one twenty six gets taken in? Yeah, we shall watch. Oh, with man. It's craziness, isn't it? Mm. Right. I hope your bets go well, chaps. Yeah. Best of luck, guys. You too, boys. Uh, we will be back next week. There is no PGA Tour action. What is the action available on the DP World Tour next week, Paul? It is the Made in Himmerland, what used to be the Made in Denmark. Okay. Um, over over in Denmark, so yes, we've got a little bit of course history to go on over there at Himmerland, so something to work with. Yeah, Squeaky Ducks Week, which is good. Mm. Yeah, that's a cool hole. Yeah. The part yes. three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, a, it's another fun course, so yeah, it should be, it should be good. We've a good run coming up on the the DP World Tour. Good run mm. of courses and tournaments coming up. Get yeah, to see St Andrews again. 
yeah, yeah. Your Wentworth coming up soon as well. Mm. So, yeah, some hopefully um, get some decent players coming over to grace us with their presence over the next few weeks as well. I hope the listeners' bets go well, and we'll see you again next week. Cheerio. If you like betting on golf, but everyone that you back misses the cut, get some experts involved with all the stats and the tips and so much more. Cause it's the golf betting system. The golf betting system is the golf.